had compassion on me. Yes, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Lord, we ask you. And now I see he my feet. Now I walk in his way. He had compassion on me and from sin he set me free. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Mighty God is He saving me. Wonderful is my Redeemer and praise. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Jesus says to me, Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God is He. <clears throat> Wonderful is my Redeemer. <clears throat> Jesus says to me, Counselor, Mighty God is He, saving me, keeping me from all sin and shame. Wonderful is my Redeemer, praise His name. Wonderful, wonderful. Counselor, <coughs> Prince of Peace. 
saving me, keeping me from all Yes, bless the Lord. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you once again that we can sing a song that describes your ways as wonderful. You are indeed wonderful. You're faithful. You're great. And human words can never describe you adequately. Lord, in our own language, we want to say thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your spirit that has kept us and helped us to be faithful even unto this day. Once again, we commit this service into your hands. Lord, and at the same time, we want to remember everyone that's a part of our assembly that is not well, that you'll touch their bodies and touch their minds, uh, whatever their condition is. At this time, we also remember our brothers and sisters in various churches that might be affected by COVID-19. We pray, Father, that you'll rebuke the devourer for, for your work's sake. And in the name of your Son, Father, we claim this victory and we pray that you'll help your people. Once again, we ask you for your help in this time of pestilence, Father. Bless the service tonight, bless our service tomorrow, and be with us, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name we ask it. Amen and amen. On Wednesday night, uh, we <clears throat> had a, I thought we had a good service. And one of the scriptures that I emphasized, uh, the fourth chapter of Ephesians, that we have looked at it, so many times it says uh, the ministry gifts and we name them apostles prophets verse 11 uh, evangelists pastors and teachers were given for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body of christ now here's a term used and i'd like to spend a little time tonight just talking about these terms that scripture use, would, would use ever so often. And it says the body of Christ. Now when it says the body of Christ, it's not talking about the literal body of Christ, even though when Jesus was having the last supper with his disciples, he made a statement. He took bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples and he says, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Now, the body that he mentioned at that time was his physical body that would be broken. The emblems that he was breaking was not his literal body, but it was a symbolic or representative of his body. And I think what he meant when he says, take this is my body which is broken for you, I think Jesus was referring to the sacrifice he made of uh, coming down, taking upon him flesh, and then the greatest part of that sacrifice was dying for our sins on the cross. Uh, he was whipped, he was beaten, and he was crucified for your sins and my sins. And that is why it is so important that we access this conversion that his sacrifice offers to us. 
It is absolutely important that we accept that. You know, when I came to Canada, I had, <clears throat> excuse me if I cough occasionally, uh, what I want to do in the future is I was telling Nadine, we need a few sisters to sing because if I sing and then I've got to preach, I, I spend so many years preaching that I need to save my throat and I can't be singing as well as preaching. It starts to bother me. Anyways, we'll get to that sometime. But uh, when I came to Canada, I had a problem, and I've mentioned this to the local church ever so often, with two words. One was pessimism, and the other was optimism. And I always mix them up, almost like I mix up pronunciation ever so often. You know, here we are in Canada. Uh, some of us are from the West Indies, some of us from British governed colonies. And so we're all here. And we've got a mixture of language, uh, whether you say tomato or tomato, uh, potato or potatoes. You know, the language barrier can be so mixed up. But you know, as long as you comprehend what I'm saying, that is important. Language is beautiful and we pray, praise God that he has given us the ability to communicate with language. Well, I had a problem with optimism and pessimism and today I don't have that problem anymore because optimism, you got to be optimistic, you got to be positive. Pessimism, you always see in the negative side of life. Uh, this is the basic uh, um, reality of it. But then there is optimism, pessimism, and I came up with a third that I could use in this case, and it's called realism. And that is you and I tonight, we are sitting here, and you know how real you are. I'm not mean uh, real like a person sitting. Real in your Christian life and dedication. You know how real you are. And I know how real I am. And areas that I might not even know, God knows how real I am. And so religion is such a thing that there are, there are hundreds and hundreds of religions around the world and each promote a different concept of God. And basically some people would say that there are many rivers that lead to one ocean. Well, true Christianity does not teach that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said there is one river that leads to one God. Now everyone has their own concept. And uh, even in Christianity, there are many concepts. In Christianity, they, uh, some people, for example, the Godhead. Some people believe there are three entities and it's called a trinity. They believe there are three entities, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, do I believe in the Father? Yes, I do. Do I believe in the Son? Yes, I do. Do I believe there's something called the Holy Ghost? Yes, I do. Do I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Yes, I do. I'm Pentecostal. Maybe not a crazy Pentecostal, but more conservative, but I'm Pentecostal. I believe in the Holy Ghost baptism and speaking in tongues. And so that's a group. Uh, there's a group called the Trinity. Am I Trinitarian? No, I'm not. I have a problem in certain aspects of the Trinity that I have a problem with. I don't believe Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are co-equal, co-existent, and co-eternal. No, I don't believe that. 
I believe Jesus, he said, my father is greater than I. So, not to get into a lot of complication here tonight, I believe in Jesus, the Father, I believe in the Son, and I believe God has His Spirit that we can get filled with. But then there's another group called the Oneness, and they believe that there are three offices. One God, three offices. So God will take the form of the Father sometime, and I'm not making a mockery here, I'm just telling you my little understanding as to what it is. The Oneness Movement Believe there is one God that occupies three offices. So one time he can be the Father, and then the next time he is the Son, and the next time uh, he is the Holy Ghost. And uh, it's conflicting. Uh, would you believe if I tell you that I heard there is a group that believe that God is seven people? Uh, there are all kinds of groups. Uh, some people believe in a multi multi phase God. Like God is everything. But you know, when you boil it down, let's deal with Christianity alone. Uh, Christianity has all kinds of concepts. Uh, some believe in immersion, in water, but water baptism. You go under the water, come back up. Some believe in sprinkling. And the funniest thing I saw uh, some years ago in a magazine, a man, he took a hose and just baptized them all with a hose. Strange, and I am not even touching it. This is the tip of the iceberg. But the, here's a terminology that Jesus mentioned, uh, Paul mentioned concerning Jesus, and he says the body of Christ. And I believe there is a group called the body of Christ. I believe there is a group called the body of Christ. Are you following me? I believe that the, the true church of Jesus is called the body of Christ. And if it is a body, it has many members, one head. And everyone in the city believe, every church organization in the city believe they're the body. And so tonight, I would like to take a little time and get into a subject, and let's understand really, because we could say we are the body and we are not really the body. So it's time for self-examination. And it is important that we examine ourselves and examine what we believe in on a daily basis. The reason why I'm saying that is hindsight is 20-20 vision. When you look back at the history that the Bible offers us, there is 20-20 vision because I can look back and see what transpired in the past and see where we are today. Uh, hold your finger in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and let's turn back. Uh, there are a few other scriptures that describe the church as the body of Christ. Um, but I want to turn your attention to a scripture here in Jude. Uh, the last, second to last little epistle in your New Testament is, um, is a little book. And I was told that Jude, right, the author of this little, uh, this little uh, one chapter uh, document here, uh, he was the brother, what history records, is he is the actually, he is the flesh brother of Jesus. Uh, there's a lot of things I would say I was told or history records.
But history could be biased and history could mis misrepresent things also. Uh, it depends on who is writing the history. So I've got a Bible in front of me and I'm trying to look at it. And so I told you about the body of Christ. Julian is writing here and he wrote this in 866 according to my Oxford Bible. A little, a little heading is on top that tells you the year in which this little epistle was written. It says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. And then he goes on here and he tells, um, uh, he's writing, he wants to write a good letter, but here's the problem. He said in verse 2, mercy and peace, uh, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. He says, beloved, <clears throat> when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, he says, I want to write unto you of the common salvation. You know, because of the streaming, I tend to have a, some time, I make time out. I can't listen to every preacher preaching, even in our own fellowship. But when I can, I will sit, and I, while I'm sitting there or while I'm walking around, I turn on uh, the brothers in India, or I'll turn on from Pune, or I'll turn on one of the brothers in North America. I might put Brother Richard in my pocket, and I'm listening. Uh, I might turn on Brother Glenn and listen to what he's saying. I listened this morning, early morning. I was up early, early, early. I was listening to Brother Daniel Beer uh, for some while. Um, and then I was able to turn to Brother Mimi. And that one stayed with me for the whole service because I'm there and I'm doing something. I'm getting some other things done and I'm listening. He has a beautiful singing group. He has uh, three or four people who would stand up and they would start the singing. And their voices are so good. The worship is so pleasant. And then Brother Memi comes up and I uh, don't know if this is his normal approach. He was encouraging. I listened to him and his entire message was encouraging. He's not like me attacking sin and doing all these things. He is a pleasant man. He is there and he's encouraging to his people and he's telling you that when you go through trials, how to face these trials. I thought he did such a good job and it edified my soul. Well, Jude wanted to write a letter uh, to people in that time to do a brother Mammy to encourage their souls. He says, when I give all diligence, I was making up my mind. I put my notes together. I was going to pull all together and be able to write. He says, write unto you of the common salvation. Uh, you're a sinner. You need Christ in your life. Jesus died to save you. The common salvation. If you accept him as your Lord and Savior, he will forgive you of your past sins. And then he will give you strength to continue to live on. You can receive the water baptism. You can receive the Holy Ghost. You know the common salvation. It's what people need to know to accept salvation in their, in their lives. And so he says, I want to give all diligence concerning the common salvation, but it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should contend. I'm going to send you to fight, to argue, to debate. He says, I'm writing this letter to you saints and telling you, you need to fight for what you believe in. 
argue. I mean, fight is not like punches, throwing punches, but it's like throwing verbal punches, uh, debate uh, the, the gospel. Uh, there were times when Paul had to do that also, uh, when Paul had to go down to Antioch, because I uh, see the, the work of God, the body of Christ has always had the body of Christ. Remember, I'm going to use that term. The body of Christ has always had problems. And there was a time when Paul uh, had started preaching and he was doing some missionary work and he was settling down in the church at Antioch among the Gentiles. That saints from Jerusalem uh, came down, not saints approved by Peter. Now, Peter did not send them. It's just people take this upon themselves to start spread the gospel. And that is something that is very sad. It is very sad, and especially today, we live in a democratic society uh, where the tail wags the dog. And you look in the world, and our world is becoming more unpleasant to live in. If you don't like postage, and the kind of postage stamps you got to buy to mail a letter, you can have a few people gather together and protest. You can protest for anything today. Well, you see, if you don't like my preaching, I want you to try to protest. This is not democratic, a democratic church. This one, uh, we're trying our best to have it theocratically operating. That God helps us and direct us. And if someone has a concern, they can talk to me about it. But can you imagine I come here on a Wednesday night and there are seven saints outside with black cards protesting how I preach? Well, the time will come when they'll do that. People will do that. As a matter of fact, the time will come when the government will decide what you don't preach about. And we're living in a sad time. I told Brother Richard recently and the saints in New York, uh, they have to pray. All the saints in America have to pray. Because if there's this pandemic you think is a problem, you best pray that God does not give you the wrong government. Because if the wrong people get into government and the government starts to pervert religion and bring all kinds of immoral things, the church will suffer. Before you know it, this Bible that I have in front of me would be classified as hate material. There's never been something I said that did not come to pass yet. This will become hate material. And so if I was in America, or I'm living here in Canada, I'll pray to God that God touch our government. Pray for the government. I don't care if the, the, the worst leader is in, in charge. Pray that they don't make laws that will impede the progress of the gospel. I'm not, I'm not a politician. But we want to pray that God give us a few more years. But not if we are in rebellion. If we're in rebellion, things are not going to go smooth for us. If God, whatever his purpose for the church is not accomplished, pandemic is not going to leave in a hurry. The pestilence will go if my people, <coughs> which are called by my name, <coughs> shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn 
That's right. Uh, the pandemic or the judgment or the pestilence or the sickness or the disease that God puts upon his people is with a purpose behind it. And it's, we're failing to comprehend it. Uh, we still carry on what we used to do. When this pandemic, if ever this pandemic is over, church will not be the same as we did before. Somewhere down the line, what we did before did not impress God. Might impress you, but not God. And so Jude wanted to write of the common salvation. And when he thought of doing this, he said, It was needful for me to write unto you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You see, Jesus sowed good seed in the field. Uh, the man Jesus left and the disciples he left were classified as good seed. The word of God was not defiled that Jesus preached. At the early church preached a gospel that was not defiled. But by the time 866 came around, they have problems. Jude says people are switching and changing the message. People are twisting the word of God. We're talking about the body of Christ here. He's not writing to the some other body somewhere. He's writing to the church, the body of Christ. And you get accustomed to me calling this because I'll be calling it all the time. Corinth was the body of Christ. The churches of Galatia were the body of Christ. Uh, the church at Rome, body of Christ. And when we start to see things like that, we're calling ourselves the body. Hindsight is 2020 vision. We should learn from our mistakes, <clears throat> or we should learn from the vicarious experiences of others or uh, ex our mistakes of others. We don't have to do that. David was a man after God's own choosing, but I can't follow David and everything he did. And that will come down all the way. So Abraham was a man that called me. He ended up as the father of faith. But he didn't start that way. Should I copy all his ways and try to follow Abraham? Did Isaiah build an ark because Noah built one? Did Jeremiah preach the message that Jonah preached? And that is why I'm a little bit bothered about some of us ministers that don't have any mind outside of the, what is written here. We use what is written here as a foundation, but we can't think outside of the box. Because today we have a problem. We have a problem in that our kids are home. And I'm trying to figure out what is your kid doing all day at home if they're not in school. And when they go to school and they come back and it's a different society altogether. Parents in this local church and in any church that's listening to me. Teach your children how to read more good books. Monitor what they read. Don't let them sit on an iPad affect, uh, destroying their brains. You see, I preach the gospel and I tell you don't. 
Listen to me carefully tonight. I'm, I, this is going back tomorrow. We'll get continue tomorrow. But, um, well, you know, let me use a name, a little boy's name. Who want to volunteer their name? Ethan. Ethan, you want to use your, can I use your name? Yes, I can use it. poor Ethan's name. I mean, use a different name. I have a little boy. His name is Tom. And his mom is in church, and Brother Singh preaches against the evils of video games. Video games would help to fry your brains. That's why we are smart, and some of you are not. You understand what I'm saying? But mommy said, well, you know, the kids are very stressed out today. They're stressed because of this COVID thing, because they can't go run in the park like a horse, because they can't call their friends. They're really stressed. So when they go home, uh, the pastor preach against it, but the mom says, here, I give you one hour of video game. That's all you'll have, one hour of video game. Well, suppose I look at you all here and tell you, listen, I know, Brother X, you have a problem, Brother Lust. You got a problem because you have this desire to fornicate. Well, I'll tell you what. You got 15 minutes to fornicate. Does that sound good? You know who is destroying our children? Parents are. Evil is evil. And limiting the time, you've got to be able, if your kid has to do something on the computer, excuse me, I'm getting on a different subject. If you have to do something, you monitor what your kid does. If he's building or doing something like that, he can do something constructive. Uh, you can read a book. What book are you reading? Lady Chatterley's Lover? You won't even know what that is. When I was growing up, there was a book called Lady Chatterley's Love that had bad words inside. And for us as little boys growing up 12, 13 years old, when they show us the word, I never read the book, but when they show us the bad words inside, I said, that's an evil book. Well, what your mind feeds on, develop your spirit. If Henry Ford or any one of these uh, popular men of the past had video games in their time, they'll turn out to be losers. Warren Buffett. I read a little about him. I hate to be coming with all the statistics today. Uh, not, not total statistics, but Warren Buffett, uh, one of the richest men in the world at one time, I think he was one. He was the richest. Uh, when you check him, he, has, he drives an old car, and he never had a cell phone for years when everybody else has got cell phone. And he sits down on his front step in front and look at the road in the afternoon and enjoy the beautiful colors of the trees and stuff. When you've got to become some, some addicted person, you're destroying yourself, and in an age like this, you got to learn to swim upstream, parents. And for yourself, you got to learn to swim upstream. The tide is flowing downstream. For you to survive COVID-19 and whatever else God might bring on society, you've got to learn to swim upstream. 
Don't get immobilized by the pandemic. Stand up and face it. See it as an opportunity to develop your spiritual stability. Well, Jude had this problem here, and um, whatever we're doing tonight is going to continue tomorrow. And he says, there are certain men, verse 4, he says, you got to fight for the faith because people were coming in. He says, certain men crept in unawares who were before ordained to this condemnation. He says, ungodly men turning the grace of God into loose living. Now, right there, the early church was teaching godly lifestyle. And Jude said, men crept in unawares. You mean they were crawling on their fours coming in? No. They were coming in as a Christian, child of God. Praise the Lord. That is the scripture we used on Wednesday night. The devil is transformed as an angel of light. When he walked into the Garden of Eden and he saw Eve, he saw the wisest woman that ever lived on this earth. Eve was. You think he could tell her you just got to become a prostitute? No. He used ambition to deceive Eve. He tried to find an easy way when he tempted Jesus to show him an easy way out. And he told Eve, he says, had God said you should not do this. But here's the thing. When he showed up, Eve never before saw a being dressed with all the jewelry that the devil had. Every known ornamental stone and jewelry he was dressed with. That's what, uh, that's what Ezekiel, I think, says, or uh, Isaiah 14. Uh, I think it was Ezekiel. Every precious stone was his covering. And when Eve looked at this being coming in, he did, she, did not, she did not look at a loser coming in. He had a dress to kill. His radiance was there. He was bright looking and charming. But he was there to destroy her soul. And that is why today, up to this day, a woman likes to adorn herself because that spirit still runs in from old, old um, Eve, old background. Everything must be done moderately and in order. And we look at this so here, men were creeping in unaware, coming into the church, who were ordained to this damnation. So Jude, uh, in 86 to 6, he had to warn the people, let's defend the church. Let's defend the church. Let's defend the church. Uh, let's defend the work of God. Somebody's bringing in. They said, grace of God. I criticized the Amazing Grace song the other night, just critically. I think the man that wrote that song had an experience with God. And God touched his mind and he wrote a song. But people have taken that song and made a mockery out of it and made an idol out of it and used it to turn their lifestyle into lasciviousness, loose living. They turned, Jude said, they turned the grace of our Lord God into lasciviousness 
and deny the only Lord God. They deny the Father and they deny the Son. So what you do, what we do, Jude, fight, defend the church. War against those individuals, get them out of the church. I don't believe in false doctrine. Any kind of doctrine, you know, I can have a problem with theological doctrine. Don't have a problem with theological doctrine because I don't know how much I know is right in the sight of God. But I do my best. But when you're bringing in loose lifestyle and ungodly living, I am completely against that. I believe holiness must be, uh, must be a main focus in our, in our lives. All right? And so Jude went on this, and Jude is, is uh, talking about uh, the angels in verse 6. He says, and the angels, he's re referring to some things here. Defensively, he's showing you the possibility of defection. He's showing you that angels that God made, sinless angels, decided they want to sin. He's showing us the possibility of what we can fall into. Because the angels that kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, God judged. He reserved in everlasting chains on the darkness to the judgment of that great day. He showed that when Solomon and Gomorrah in verse six, 7, they sinned, giving them all over, themselves over to fornication and uncleanness, God destroyed them, making them an example. Why are all these examples in the Bible? They're there for you and I in today's world to understand that we need God to help us. It's not by might, nor by power, human might, human power, human genius, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And then he comes down here in a very strange uh, area after he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah suffering the vengeance of eternal damnation. Eternal fire here is not literal fire. Eternal fire here is the vengeance of God eternally judging these individuals. And he comes down here, he says, Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. There are people that are in church that are filthy dreamers that defile the flesh. And they don't respect authority and they speak evil of dignities. We live in an age where nobody respects the president no more. Nobody respect the prime minister no more. Nobody respect political leaders in society. And nobody respect pastors and leaders in the church. When I was growing up, I never could say, yes. Mom says, Desmond, yes. Slap on my face. You don't say that. Have some respect. Have some training. That's what you young people need to read. How to conduct yourself as a, as a decent individual in society. In this age, the parents will be on to my daughter if she comes to me and says, Desmond. You see, some of us like to be called first name. That's absolutely ridiculous. If you need to be given a little respect, aunt or uncle or dad, you need to take that. 
because what we're doing, we're condoning the spirit of society that has no respect for anyone in authority. Trump, Trudeau, God, I get sick of these people that are supposed to be influential people in society. Nobody respect anybody. And here is what Jude is writing. Jude said here, he says the filthy dreamers. Everybody say filthy dreamers. That's what we've got in society, a bunch of filthy dreamers. Likewise, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, uh, speak, uh, uh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. You think he was, Jude was writing about political leaders? Or he was writing about things that are going on in the church? He's talking about the church, my friend. The body of Christ has an invasion, not of coronavirus, but of disrespect and rebellion coming into the church. You think coronavirus is anything? The worst virus is that which comes from an unconverted heart. It's not on the outside, it's on the inside. And that is why overcomers are needed. And he says, he says, let me give you an example. He says, uh, yet Michael, the archangel. There is one archangel, that's my conclusion. I believe there's one archangel. This one archangel is what is describing Jesus. Because in 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the trump of God and the voice of the archangel. He will take on that position. Uh, today he's the Lamb of God and the Savior of the world. There's coming a time when he'll be the Lion of the tribe of Judah, not the Lamb of God, meek and gentle. Uh, he'll be, there's a time when he stands up as Michael the archangel. Uh, that was a name. You see, names are given. Uh, we call Satan Lucifer. We call him Satan. We call him devil. That's not a name given to him. Those are titles. And so I've got 10 minutes to go. Are you following me here? And then he says, Michael, the archangel, uh, disputing about, uh, contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. So here, we got another body. We got the body of Christ. And now we're talking about the body of Moses. And this is found, and we might get into that some other day, or maybe tomorrow. But in Zechariah, the third chapter, uh, this uh, angel of the Lord, Michael, it's called the Lord. He is disputing with the devil over the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is described as the body of Moses. So my conclusion is, there's the body of Christ, there's the body of Moses, and then we see there's another body that a woman rides on. The body of the beast. I'm looking, and I'd like to talk about three bodies here, because when I'm thinking about the body, uh, body of Christ and the body of Moses, I'm not looking at two infallible uh, organizations or groups of people. The Old Testament people that were uh, under the administration of the law and under the government, when Moses brought them out of Egypt, they were the body of Christ, the body of Moses coming out of Egypt, symbolic to the church. 
They come out of Egypt in one day. And they could have gone into the promised land in less than two weeks. But for, for God to bring the promises into fulfillment in their lives, God had to take them through a process. The wilderness was absolutely necessary. The lack of water was absolutely necessary. The lack of garlic and cucumber and all this kind of stuff was absolutely necessary. The heat of the sun, lack of meat, absolutely necessary. But when you look at Israel coming out of Egypt and some of them, most of them died in the wilderness under the judgment of God, that was the body of Moses. Those were God's own people. All right? Are you following me? All right. <clears throat> then the remnant now finally got into the promised land. And for a few years under uh, Joshua's administration after Moses died, the body of Moses is not the literal body of Moses. No. Uh, in Zechariah 3, and we don't have time to get into that. Tomorrow we'll probably take this lesson on further on. That was the nation of Israel. A brand plucked out of the fire uh, is described in Zechariah. God saved Israel and he was actually ready to judge Israel when you read uh, Hosea, uh, the Amos, the fourth chapter. Uh, they were called a brand plucked out of the fire. And Israel, they came out of Egypt, spent a few years, and they, a lot of them died because they were not qualified by that rotten spirit to enter into just the plain promised land. And when they got in, if you read the book of Judges, and I don't want to give you some big lesson tonight, but in the book of Judges, they rebelled against God and he sent them back into captivity. Egypt was a long captivity, but there were a lot of captivity, sometimes 80 years, sometimes 20 years. It, one captivity after the other. I lost count. They rebelled again, they repented, they rebelled, God sent them again into captivity. And Israel went continuously into captivity for many, many years. And when we look back, hindsight tells us that God's chosen people went into spiritual and literal captivity many a times. Well, we're not the body of Moses. We're the body of Christ. What is Jude telling us? He telling, he's telling us that let's learn from the past. We need to learn from the lessons of the past. We need to learn about what happened to the angels that sinned. We need to learn what happened to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we need to learn about Israel, the brand plucked out of the fire, the body of Moses. <clears throat> and Michael respected the devil. He didn't say, Satan, you old mouse. No. He says, the Lord rebuke thee. O Satan, even the Lord of Zion rebuke thee. And so, <clears throat> we've got... Five, less than five minutes, so follow me here tonight. So we're the body of Christ. <clears throat> Isn't that wonderful? Paul says, I'll present you unto Christ, blameless and without spot. Well, let's use hindsight. What happened to the church of Jerusalem? It's alive today. You can go in Jerusalem and find it. 
No, it's gone. What happened to the churches of Galatia that Paul started? Lystra, Iconium, Derby, and Antioch. Gone. The body of Christ has always been bombarded by the devil. And Colossae, Ephesus, all the seven churches of Asia Minor, before it's all over, even though some existed longer than the other, they were all destroyed and undermined. But today, <clears throat> we've got a devil and a subtle enemy, and we call him our enemy, but that's his job. His job is to get the job done that he was created to do. Our job is to defeat him. And when we understand what we're looking at hindsight, what happened to the body of Christ in Corinth? Undermine. What happened to the body of Christ in Galatia? Undermine. What happened to the body of Christ in Ephesus? Undermine. Before you know it, when you read about the early church fathers, by the time the church, the work of God became apostate, uh, they, there was a period of time, and I've read this in some of these historic books, that it became so apostate that for you to get baptized, they would oil your whole body with oil and all kinds of funny things they did. Forget all of that little funny things, but what I'm saying tonight, where the body of Christ today are we? Is it necessary for us to check ourselves and examine ourselves and find out that if we are failing God because the ultimate goal is not the promised land, it's the bride of Christ. These are they that follow the Lamb with us, whoever he got. The ultimate goal is the bride of Christ and the kingdom of God. And nothing shall enter into the kingdom that will defile it. So here we are today. Are we making progress? Is our mouth full of guile? Are we without fault? But we are different, brother, saying we are different because in our day, we're not like those churches that went out. Listen, the body of Christ was continuously bombarded and continuously failed. And if it was not for the overcomers that were produced and taken out, they would have all been totally, they all would have been total failures. And so tonight, I'm giving you this lesson for us to understand. We are not impervious to deception. We are not infallible that we cannot be deceived if we are not already deceived. Well, we've got good leaders. Moses was a good leader. Jeremiah was a good prophet. Isaiah was a good prophet. They were all killed by God's people. When you challenge the carnal nature and human uh, imperfections, you're challenging the human nature. And people would want to be in the bride of Christ without following the Lord and being genuine disciples. May God help us. May God help us that we weigh this lesson tonight. This is one of those important lessons because we have the body of Christ we have the body of Moses, we have the body of the beast, and when we miss being in that, we become a part of the body of the beast without even realizing it. When you're not a body, body, 
Moses and you're not a part of the body of Christ and you're undermined, the devil would like to make you a part of the body of the beast. And that is why he provide all of these uh, gimmicks and all these things to destroy your life. That's why he got you busy about your, all the business you can put in and all the things you can do to take God out of your life. And so I'm going to close by saying this. <clears throat> there are three bodies. Body of Moses, body of Christ, and the body of the beast. The people that were in the body of Moses ever so often, they de developed the spirit of the body of the beast. It existed since from Egypt. When we look at the church, ever so often the church got undermined, the faith got undermined, and they developed the body of the beast. There are two cups, the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. The cup of the devils is what makes you confirm to the becoming a part of the body of the beast. May God help us. Table of the Lord, table of the devil. And we've got to figure out by the time it's all over which one we're feeding on because you cannot serve God and the devil at the same time. You can't drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils at the same time. If ever there was a time to pray and seek after God, it is today. And as a pastor, I examine myself on a daily basis, and I will never preach an entertaining gospel. Sometimes it might become encouraging and, and uh, building your faith and your confidence in God, but sometimes we need to examine sin. And that is what the Lord told Joshua. He says, stop praying. Go see there's sin in the camp. Sin must be eliminated before God can give us victory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for this night and this opportunity that you've given to us to listen to your word. Lord, we claim and we hope we are the body of Christ today. Father, but we look at the past and see so many churches, powerful churches, more powerful than we are, were defeated and destroyed. Please, O oh God, help us. For we realize it's not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit. Let these words challenge our lives tonight. In Jesus' wonderful name we ask it. Amen, and amen, and amen. God bless you.